You're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beeky back with an episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. I'm joined today by the one and only Dr. Una, founder of EntreMD. She is a pediatrician in Georgia, and she helps physicians build profitable businesses so they can live life and practice medicine on their own terms. I'm so excited to have you with me here today. I am so excited to be here. This is going to be great. Yes. So tell my listeners a bit about your story into medicine and into the business world. Um, so I, I come from a family of doctors. Um, my, my dad is a surgeon. My mom is a clinical pharmacist. And um, I come from a traditional Nigerian family, which means you have a few options. You can be a lawyer, a doctor, um, or an engineer. That's kind of the way it works. And um, so I, I picked medicine and, um, it, and it was fun. It was a really fun journey. I went to medical school in Nigeria, which means I used the European system. So it's survival of the fittest. I mm-hmm. uh, started off with uh, 400 students in my class and 120 graduated. That's just the way it is. And, uh-huh. you know, so it's, um, it's not about having A's. It's about being the top 120 to, you know, to, to finally graduate. And, and that was really good. Um, specialty was kind of, you know, I I didn't know for a long time and I just knew I didn't want to be a pediatrician, which is very funny because I am a pediatrician now. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, so got into pediatrics, absolutely, absolutely love it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, did my residency training at Newark Beth Israel and in New Jersey and, um, graduated, got a job like I was supposed to, like a good pediatrician. <laughs> and, um, you know, a series of things happened. And my my boss was like, after the first year, he's like, here's your five-year contract. Um, for the next five years, I'm like, don't think I can do that. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, okay, well, if you're not going to stay here, go start your own practice. You know, you're doing enough to be able to pull that off. And I'm like, nobody starts a practice a year out of residency. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, you'll be fine. You're, you're doing a lot of the stuff you need to do here anyway. And uh, if you need help, I'll help you. And uh, so, you know, being ignorant sometimes is a good thing because I didn't know any better. <laughs> so I said yes and, you know, started a practice. I believe pediatrics in Georgia. This is um, the 10th year we've been in. Wow. We've been in practice for 10 years. Thank you. It's, it's so exciting. And um, so... When I got in there, though, I realized that um, being a great clinician is one thing um, and starting a practice does not make you an entrepreneur. And so it was really the school of hard knocks for me because mm-hmm. I was a really um, socially awkward, super shy, introverted introvert. So that in business 
do not go well <laughs> together. You know, like I wouldn't go talk to anybody, like, you know, refer patients to me. I, would, I wouldn't do any of that. Do a video, like what? N- like never, like my face on the world wide web, never. <laughs> and, um, but somewhere I had an aha moment and it occurred to me that business skills are learnable and I started learning, you know, I mean, it was already in the practice. What was, what was I going to do? So I started learning them and I got comfortable and more comfortable and more successful and more successful. And I was like, this is learned. I mean, and we learned the hardest things, right? We learned Krebs cycle. <laughs> we learned to do <laughs> spinal taps. I mean, the size of our books alone, it's crazy. And you know, I, I learned it. And then I had another aha, like, wait a minute, there are many Dr. Unas out there who are stumbling in business and not re- realizing they're just a set of skills away. And I was like, I'm going to help them figure that out. And I started that informally. And, um, you know, so p- other people started practices or launch skincare lines and stuff like that. And, you know, at some point, and I, I think I was a little embarrassed to say how was a business coach, you know, mm-hmm. like, who are you? Like, you're a pediatrician, you're not a business coach. And so I didn't want to help formally. Uh, but then I realized, you know, if you're going to help a lot of people, you're going to kind of need to, you know, go out there and say, this is what I do. And, you know, that's kind of when EntreMD was, was born and I've had a fun ride since. <laughs> yes, it's such an amazing story. And I'm so grateful that's where it went because I get to be part of the Entre MD Business School, which has been so fantastic. And I'm so what happy I, you're in the business school. Yeah, I love it. It's a great space. <laughs> what I hear in there, and when we think in osteopathic medicine about the inherent self-healing capacity, and then we already have the health within us. And in your story, both coming through medical school, right? In a pretty tough space. And then in the business world, it seems like it was always there, right? Just kind of waiting to be uncovered. Can you look back and see that now? Were there glimmers of the Dr. Una of today, even in those times when you were still shy and introverted and just trying to survive that medical school journey? Absolutely. I mean, I don't think I'm different. I just think I'm developed. I think I'm Ooh. what I would have always been. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and if you, you're in the EntreMD community, so you'll see what I mean by this. When I work with people, I have such value for who they are that I don't try to make them anything. I don't mm-hmm. say this is the kind of business you should run or this is, you know, the exact way you should do it. I, I have a framework, but I'm like, you are already what you're going to be. We just need to find it and pull it out, mm-hmm. you know, because we already are. You know what I mean? That's why you do some things and it feels so authentic and you do some other things and you're like, that's not me. You know, so my goal, you know, I, I didn't, I stumbled in it, you know, like it's now looking back to them, like, wait a minute, I've always been this person because nobody, no matter who I come in contact with, I always see potential. I always see like, this is who you can be. Oh, if you do X, Y, and Z, you can become this kind of person. You could, you could change the world in this way. Like, it's always been there, I think, mm-hmm. as far as I can remember. And so now that's the same thing I do in my private practice. That's the same thing I did. I mean, I would have parents come and they're like, Dr. Una, you know, the real reason we come here is because you're like our coach and our therapist, right? <laughs> like, you know, because here I am asking moms, like, okay, you've had this baby, but you're a single mom. What are you doing with school? And if they tell me, like, I'm in nursing school, and that's great. I put it in their chart. So the next time I come, they come. I'm like, so when are you graduating? How are your grades? And they're like, you remember? I'm like, of course. I mean, it's in the chart, but you, you know what I mean? Like, 
Yes. Like, because mm-hmm. there's so much you can, you can be, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm just who I was supposed to be. I'm just mm-hmm. developed. Oh my gosh. I'm just sitting and hold that for a minute. I'm not different. I'm developed. Right. And that it was always there. And I think that part was your patients and their parents, right? Cause you get two in pediatrics, you kind of are treating two people all the time and a whole family often is that the remembering it matters, matters, right? So even just the fact that knowing to ask and knowing to check in is so powerful. And even there we see, right? Whole person, body, mind, spirit, child and parents engaging with the community how do you hold vision for that? You know, has it just been innate for you or have you seen really the impact of treating patients from that space of it matters, right? What your mom is doing for work matters for the pediatric health. I, I think I've always, you know, seen people as whole people. Um, I'm not really able to do the compartments like, you know, you're here for a checkup. So, we, you know, we're just going to take a look at that part of you. It, sometimes with my patients, I grill them so much. Like, what are your grades like? Why are your grades like that? What 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 aren't you doing? What can you do to make them better? And they turn and look at their parents like, um, is she supposed to be asking me all that? I'm like, well, let's put it in a category. We're talking about your mental health here, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to, you know, I have, I have books on vision and stuff in my office. Like I buy tons of copies and, and mm-hmm. I see a kid who's malfunctioning. I know you're malfunctioning because you can't see tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You can't see who you can be. And I go pull out a book and I'm like, here you go. Like, go read that book. I, I don't think I've ever been able to separate them all. We're whole people. And we live a whole life and one, one life is one, one part is kind of out of whack. It affects everything, right? Like mm-hmm. you see somebody who's promiscuous and it, you know, this is a 14 year old. Usually there's something else that's out mm-hmm. of whack. That's, you know, triggering that. Mm-hmm. Right. And you see a mom who's really having a lot of problems in her marriage. And because of that, they're all eating out. And because of that, the kid is put on 25 pounds in four weeks. And, you know, so it, it it's, Altogether, if the mom who's a single mom who, you know, got pregnant really young um, can figure out school and all of that, she's setting a higher standard for her kids. So they have something to look up to. They have an example. They're going to do better. So we're we're not in compartments. We just aren't. So professionally, um, I'm trained to take care of this one compartment, but you can't it's all interconnected, you know, so you kind of have to touch them all. I'm so grateful to hear that. And I hope you have telemedicine available. I feel like pediatrics <laughs> everywhere needs to have this, this effect and impact available. And I'm wondering how you're able to hold that. Does it seem like a lot or does it actually seem like an opportunity? And I think there's always that balance point, right? Where it's overwhelming, but also really exciting to know that I can impact the health of my patients by asking about these things. And yes, it's one more question, but it might be actually a question that makes all the difference. Yeah, for me, it's not overwhelming. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm wired that way. And so I get a lot of joy and fulfillment and meaning out of it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it makes it not overwhelming at all. And over the years, so I, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years, I've learned to integrate it with what I do that is so seamless. It doesn't seem like I have to ask this one extra question. Um, is just not there. For instance, one of the things I do, you know, when you're, when you find yourself in a position where people respect you, even though you may, you may not think it's something special, like doctors, sometimes we don't feel we're special. We're like, what? We, we took some classes, we passed them, we got a piece of paper. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) 
But for some people, it really matters, right? So as an African-American, I have a lot of patients who are African-American and, you know, girls. And they're, the only reason, well, not the only reason, but the main reason why their parents bring them is they want them to see a real life example mm-hmm. of what is possible. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the kind of value people put on you. Now, when you have that kind of value, it's very easy to use it for good, right? Mm-hmm. So as a pediatrician, I see a mom, she is struggling, right? Um, she's having to do this homeschooling thing that she's working at home, working from home and dad, you know, got called to work somewhere else. So she doesn't have support and she can't really bring people in to help her because, you know, there's COVID and, and all this stuff. And just me saying, I know that you're struggling, but I want you to know that you're doing a good job and you got this. Coming from me has so much weight that she can get to a point where she's so frustrated someday you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, her kids driving her crazy, but she remembers, but Dr. Una said this though, Dr. Mm-hmm. Una said, I got this. And that's enough yeah. to make her go like, I'll hold this together. Right. Mm-hmm. I see some young man maybe comes from a background where the chances are he's never been respected. Chances are they treat him like he's a nobody. And I walk in, I'm like, good morning, sir. How are you? They almost fall out of their chair. Like mm-hmm. she called me a sir. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, so mm-hmm. it doesn't take a lot to do it. And especially yeah. with the positions we've been giving, we can use it to really make a difference that it's only time that will tell. You know what? Maybe on my 80th birthday, somebody will come say, because of this, look at, you know, what yeah. I did with my life, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So powerful and amazing that you can doctor people by just being you, right? So by being who you are and showing up, and reflecting that to them is actually therapeutic, right? And encouraging other health. That's so amazing. I'm curious that leap from that first year when the job was uncomfortable to creating your own practice. And you mentioned framework, right? In your work in the business school, what are those pieces of structure that you put in place to improve the function, right? That's one of our tenets in osteopathic medicine. I'm wondering what you found that maybe wasn't quite the right fit or wasn't built the way that was working for you. How did you adjust that? Um, so when I started, I don't know that I had a framework, you know, and, you know, like I had some things that I did, I, but I wouldn't have called it a framework because I was figuring this stuff out. I was in the school of hard knocks. Right. Um, and that doesn't come with the cur- <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I I did was uh, one of the structures I created was a structure of studying what other people were doing other successful people are doing, which is a habit that I've just kept. Um, I probably combed through like 150 websites of other pediatric practices and I'm looking at what they're doing. I'm looking at the service they're offering. I'm looking at their hours. I'm looking at their reviews. Like what are the trends? What are people complaining about and stuff like that? Because, you know, with the business, you're either building something new or you're improving on something that already, mm-hmm. already exists. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so that was something that, that I did a whole lot of. And um, then there was a whole lot of learning because I, I just didn't know how any of these things worked. And so I had to enroll in automobile university where um, I used every down moment, every last one to either listen to a podcast or read a book. I did a ton of Brian Tracy because I needed mm-hmm. all of it, right? Like from personal development all the way to business development. Um, I, did a, I did a lot of that. And then I had to embrace discomfort because 
everything I had to do was uncomfortable. I was afraid of hiring. I was afraid of going out to market. I was afraid of whew, everything. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I had to learn, you know, the habit of taking action in the midst of uncertainty and, and discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I did those, then other things developed. Mm-hmm. But it was messy, but it was good. Yes, a good mess. I love that. You mentioned before, you know, when you're not kind of doing what you're supposed to be doing, you feel like that icky feeling. And do you have a way that speaks to you that you can differentiate between the icky feeling and just uncomfortable but growth uncomfortable? You know, are there ways you are able to tune into that or just sometimes you just have to go through it and then you find out? Well, so... A lot of times the discomfort is something that I know I need to do, but I'm afraid of doing it. Mm-hmm. And the icky things sometimes are things that go against my core values or who I am at my core, right? So for instance, in the business world, you know, um, pe- there's so many ways, so many ways to skin a cat, right? So you may have people who the primary way they grow their business is they do a lot of cold calling. And that is just something that I'm like, I don't respond to cold calls. Um, I I don't really just want to meet people. I don't want to just talk to random people like that. I want to find people who have a need and Mm -hmm. we can try each other out and then we can take it from there. So it's icky to me. But people have built multiple seven-figure businesses doing that. But it's just icky to me. Um, In sales strategy, some people use a lot of um, FOMO, like a lot of FOMO, a lot of mm-hmm. you're going to regret this if you don't do this yeah. and all of that and all of that. And people have built, again, multiple seven-figure businesses doing that. Mm-hmm. But for me, I'm like, why? It's It feels like fraud to me. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying it's fraud. This is me. Mm-hmm. And it's key to me. And I'm like, well, since there are many ways to do this, I'm going to find a way that works for me. And that way doesn't work for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And some people work by content marketing. And what they do is they put out a lot of content, give you the opportunity to get a lot of wins, give you an opportunity to say, you know, this person's values, their values align with my values. I think I would really like working for this person. And then you go work with that person. I love that. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I can just stay in my zone of genius and be me. And um, if and and of course, I will say you should come work with me. Um, right. But you have you've had an opportunity to say I like her or I don't. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so. So the other ones are not really discomfort. It just ah, it mm-hmm. feels very against what I would do, you know? Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate that, that it's OK for there to be multiple ways for different people. And I've always had this hesitancy. I don't want there just to be one way, right? It's nice to have those options and to know that one matches you. And that means it'll likely match the people who want to work with you. And that's fine. And it's also okay to not force yourself or to do those other things and to be able to examine if it really is, this violates my core values, then it's okay to shift. If it's really, this is just hard, (laughs) then maybe you stay with it, right? And you kind of push through in that moment. And and it's okay to test a lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. like in our training, that's what we do, right? We, I can say, you know, oh, I don't like, you know, child abuse medicine or I don't like psychiatry, but you are going to do rotation in it, right? Mm-hmm. So at least you can, you can, you can test to see is that discomfort? Is that icky? 
You know what I'm saying? And four weeks is kind of enough for you to figure that out, right? And after that, you're like, child abuse? Nah, I don't think I'm going to do that as a specialty. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's okay to to test things like a rotation. We shouldn't be, as entrepreneurs, we shouldn't be afraid to try things. Um, but if it goes against your core values and you've you've tried it, you've done it, you've, you know, you've given it a shot, you're like, yeah, yeah, let's not do that. It's fine. Yeah. What would you say flipped the switch for you? You mentioned going into medicine, being nope to pediatrics and then loving it. Where was that? Was it on a rotation? Was it in testing the water that brought you into pediatrics? It was in a move. So mm -hmm. in um, in Nigeria, the the system is a little different in the sense that, you know, as an attendee, you don't come to do deliveries at night and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Your chief residents and junior residents will take care of that for you. Um, and I knew that I would have nine lives. I knew I would have a lot of stuff I do. So when I moved over here, I'm like, yeah, so you see that life of being on call forever doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. But but then the people that I was most, um, that I cared the most for of all the patient population is the moms. It really, it really was the moms. And I was like, all right, so where, where will I still get access to the moms, pediatrics? And so that's why truthfully my, my patients, you know, they do get two for the price of one because mm -hmm. I love the kids and I love the moms too. Yeah, that's such a good point because they're going to come the most frequently, right, to see you. And so you get that touch point in that space and you can hear the coaching emerge, right? Because you weren't technically the physician for the moms, but you certainly could have been the coach from yeah. opening day. When did you realize you were coaching people? Well, I don't think I had a term for it. In fact, I thought it was a problem, <laughs> truthfully, <laughs> because I'm like, because even people who are further along than me, um, whether it's in business or in medicine or whatever, like attendings, even as an intern, I'm like, oh, but if you could do this, then this could happen. And I'm like, shush, that's an attending. Like, what do you know? So I've always had that. And, and I have to t tell myself, like, tone it down. Like, what are you doing? And but I, I didn't call it coaching because I didn't know what that was. Um, so so it's been there a really long time. Mm -hmm. Like anytime I come in contact with somebody, I I it's almost like a it's a graph, a picture I can see of, oh my gosh, what we could make out of this. You know, I, I have no control over it. So for as long as I can remember, mm -hmm. it's been there. Um I just get to do it now. Um, as a, as a business. So I've never worked since I started mm -hmm. on Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Just, I just not to be fully you. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So what were some of the freedoms when you opened your practice? And perhaps there's about many, I'm sure, some key core things that you were relieved to be able to control, right? To be able to say, this is how we're doing things here. Were there some really liberating moments in that space? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So one of them, you know, is the way I get to care for my patients. And for me, my big thing was, um, you know, in, in medicine, there, there were, at the time, so this is 10 years ago, right? Customer service is not really a thing, right? Like you come to a doctor's office, you wait. That's, that's just mm -hmm. the way it is, right? Um, people may be cold. That's just the way it is. Doctor is nice. Like, granted, pediatricians, there's some niceness, but, you know, like, you know, so for me, I wanted to build a place where, you know, people could come in feeling like they came to see their family, aunties and uncles and stuff like that, who happened to be medical professionals, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the practice I wanted to build. I wanted to build a, a place where the turnaround times were an hour, were less than an hour. So mm -hmm. door to door is less than an hour. And, yeah. 
you know, so, so I was able to control that experience and, you know, where my staff, my role in their life is to help them get better, whether they stay for the long term or not, they should be able to look back and say, my time at Ivy League Pediatrics made me. That, you know, and, and so I got to do all that because nobody tells me what to do. You know, I, I got to do it the way, <laughs> the way that I wanted to do it. And I also noticed that practices were not really treated like businesses. They were treated like practices. Like it's these entities that doctors own and we just run it whichever way. And for me, I wanted to build a business. I wanted to build something that would work, whether I'm there or not. It took me a few yeah. years, but that was my agenda. So I, I, I set a target for myself. I'm like, by the time I'm 40, I'm retiring. Mm-hmm. Retiring meaning I see patients because I want to, not because I have to, not because if I'm not on the schedule, patients will get like none of that. Yeah. And I turned 40 and I was down to two days. And, you know, after after a while, they put me on for just one day. I didn't ask any questions. So now I'm on one day. <laughs> Yeah. So amazing getting to choose that. Yeah. And so I hear that you're even, you know, you're coaching and treating your staff along the way. So you're bringing health everywhere that you go. I wonder when it made that shift. And you mentioned kind of incidentally helping physicians start some different practices by seeing what you were doing and what drove that passion, right? Because now you have really big goals and you're making really massive change. So where was that sparklet? You know, what changed it to this really expansive and clear goal? So um, this was in 2016. So four years ago, I was, um, I, this was early in the morning. So I just finished my devotion, all that stuff. And I'm sitting and I have this aha moment. I can't explain how, I just know that medicine as we know it is gone and it's never coming back. And if my only skill is doctoring, then I'm going to be out of luck. So what I left with was, you need to treat this as if it's an emergency. You need to develop your ability to speak. So like being a paid speaker, you need to become a consultant. I didn't even know what coaching was at the time, right? So a consultant, right? You need to develop that part. Um, You need to work in your practice as a CEO, not as a pediatrician. You need to see yourself as a CEO and bring yourself to the point where you can earn as the CEO. So even if you're not seeing patients and, you know, and at this point it didn't seem as bad, but if you looked underneath, you would see that uh, this is not going to good places, Mm -hmm. right? It's how devalued um, we are in the healthcare space and how it's become an economic marketplace, right? So Mm -hmm. I, you know, I usually say like, I didn't think uh, CVS would be my competition or Walmart. I, you know, there's no independent nurse practitioner practice. There's no, I didn't even know what the physician assistant was at the time. Like the the, the pie just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. And then it puts you in a position where you have to compete. But as physicians, we're not trained to compete. We're trained to hang the shingle and they will come. Mm-hmm. So at that point, that's when I embraced coaching. Um, I started learning to rock stages. 
I started owning my ability to help other people start businesses. Um, I started walking away from the practice more and more so I could develop myself as a valuable part of the practice, even if I'm not seeing patients. And it, it, I knew it wasn't just for me, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, docs, we have a problem here. And to which people are like, what are you talking about? Like, all this stuff is going to go away and things are going to go back to the way they were. I'm like, they're not. Like, mm-hmm. we have a problem. And that's when um, I went and I Googled. I'm like, how many doctors with act- active licenses in the U.S.? And it's like 800,000. And I had read that to start a movement, you have to have at least 10% of, you know, whatever population that is. So 10%, that's 80,000. I'm like, okay, I want to help 80,000 doctors. And that's where that number came from. You know, Mm -hmm. you may have heard me say say it before, (laughs) but that's where it came from. Like, I want to help 80,000 doctors figure out how to build profitable businesses so they can live life and practice medicine on their own terms. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I hadn't heard the origin. So I love (laughs) that story. And tune in, right? Because you can see Dr. Una has the power to see what you can do. So she can also predict these problems and how we can solve them. So we should be paying attention here. And have you found that the physicians participating are building practices within medicine? Are they building businesses outside of it or both? Is it a pretty even distribution or do you find one more than the other? So for the, for the doctors I've helped, it's been 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a really nice mix, um, 50% private practice and 50% other service-based or product-based businesses. Mm-hmm. And do you find that the principles are pretty common, right? Even if one is clinical and one is non-clinical, they're doing similar things to bring that forward? Well, yeah, because see, the part that I help doctors with the most is the marketing piece, right? Because mm-hmm. we're helpers. If I told you develop a service to do X, Y, Z, we'll figure it out. We have no problem figuring out a service, a product, all of those things. But when it comes to dominating the marketplace, when it comes Mm -hmm. to putting that message out there, when it comes to telling your story, selling, like it's almost a cuss word, you know, Mm -hmm. like that area that's (laughs) so hard, that's the place where I help people the most. So whether it's a private practice, like we have private practice 2020, has been an opportunity. Like Mm -hmm. if you can take the same principles that people who are running online businesses and stuff and apply it to a private practice, it explodes because nobody's doing it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, um, so what I, what I help them do, it's, it's kind of the same, no matter what your business is, because you're going to have to do it. Um, I I can't tell you how many times I see people say, um, Oh, I built this product. I just can't find the clients. Or, you know, I created this course, but nobody's buying my course and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, that's called being the world's best kept secret. Mm -hmm. And the answer to that is always marketing and selling. And, you know, I teach it in a way that doctors can do it professionally and not feel Mm -hmm. sleazy and icky and stuff. Yeah. And that's really powerful in osteopathic medicine. There was literally an article in Prevention Magazine about my specialty, you know, osteopathic manipulative medicine, which is pretty small. And it does say medicine's best kept secret. And nobody wants that. (laughs) That's that's not really what we're looking for. And to think about bringing that forward, right? So marketing does have its place, right? You said it's not sleazy, right? Sales is not sleazy. It's really awareness building. Yeah. And I tell people, if you're going to take the time to create a product or a service, you should take the time to market it. Like I literally, when I work with people, I make them do almost 50-50. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's as important if the people out there that you're trying to help do not know that you have something to help them. You haven't helped them. 
-hmm. right? Like the point of helping them is when they actually get to use it. So if we create something good, we have to tell people, this is good. Come on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's our responsibility to bring that forward. I love that. Well, we've heard so many different ways, but I'm curious for you, how do you see yourself for the health of all things? I think for me, it's um, at the end of the day, it comes to owning who you are and all of it, Mm. all of it, and become everything you can be. You know, so I say something funny. I'm like, you know, it sounds a little morbid, but when I die, I want to die empty. Mm -hmm. And that means I became everything I could be. I did everything I could do. Because I think that's a place where we have the most joy. We have the most meaning to life. We have, um, we don't get tired, um, you know, when we're in our zone of genius. Um, we're really creative. We're, we serve humanity. We make a difference. We make an impact. We leave a legacy. I mean, I think we should just be who we are. And then just keep working on becoming a better and better and better version of it. That's amazing, right? What a call to action. Just be you, right? And then be you a little bit more every day. That's so great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. So many amazing concepts. And I hope we will facilitate you getting toward that goal. 80,000 physicians. So Yay, thank you. (laughs) And let the listeners know where they can find you. And we'll put that information also in the show notes. Well, so if you're listening, you are a podcast listener. So on whatever platform you're listening, just pull up the EntreMD podcast. So that's E-N-T-R-E, M as in Mary, D as in David. And um, for everything else, you can find me on my website. It's EntreMD.com. And on um, Instagram, it's EntreMD as well. Excellent. Thank you so much. And I look forward to future conversations. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone who you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.